Welcome to Center Ice, the Hockey Alberta podcast, home to all things hockey in our great province. Now, here's your host, Ted Emmett. Hello and welcome back to the Center Ice podcast. I'm your host, Ted Emmett, and thank you for joining us for episode four. Little bit of an extra pause between episode three and four. Uh, It's been a hot minute, but a lot has changed in the hockey world and in Alberta in general. Uh, Currently, and as I'm saying this, I know it could change between the time I say it and the time you hear it. But right now, team sports in Alberta on pause in the areas with enhanced safety measures in place, otherwise known as purple areas on the government of Alberta's online map, which covers a fair amount of the province at this point. The original two-week pause was set to end on November 27th, but the government extended that by an additional three weeks as case numbers began to rise. So here we are. So on this episode of Center Ice, we're going to focus on what the next few weeks look like, and we're going to speak with Hockey Alberta's coach mentor, Barry Midori, who's going to have some advice on how to keep players and your team as a whole engaged during the pause and really focusing not on what you can't do but what you can still do and building off of that. First we're going to check in with Hockey Alberta CEO Rob Latwinski who actually joined us on the inaugural episode of the podcast back in October but needless to say things look a little different now. We're going to chat with him and get a bit of an update through the lens of Hockey Alberta. So now we're going to take a a trip into Rob's home, virtually, of course, over Zoom. Uh, And Rob, I know you didn't think you'd be back on the podcast so soon, but always happy to have you. Welcome back. Thanks, Ted. Yeah, I think we kind of thought the kickoff was done right and that we'd be talking about different things by now and having some some of the exciting guests we've had since. But uh, I guess, unfortunately, you have me again. And a, a pretty eventful couple of weeks. Our environment across the province, not just in hockey, has changed and continues to change. At Hockey Alberta specifically, as you can see now, we're, we're working from home, doing our part to stay safe and, and keep everyone around us safe. Certainly a busy time still, though, for you and the organization. It is. It's, uh, we talked about March 12th last time, and I guess November 12th now is kind of etched in our minds as well when our, when certainly there was a, an order put in place to it affected our sport uh, significantly. Uh, that's obviously been extended uh, from that point of view, which, uh, which kind of leads to us being in the current pause. I think like mu- much many things we've had all the way through this, uh, we continue to meet daily. Uh, we continue to try and work with, not try, we are working with our members, work with our leagues, uh, working with our staff to, to continue to work. And, and this is a little different for us. This is in the middle of the hockey season at this point. We felt that with the numerous interpretations that were needed around uh, AHS guidelines, and, and those were still ongoing, that, that we had the game back to a place where I think most of us in the game, both as administrators, as players, as coaches, we had kind of gotten used to our new normal and uh, we were proceeding with that. But obviously uh, uh, the cards that were played uh, were a little different and now we're, we're in the mid, midst of uh, working on that now. And with this pause, uh, taking a lot of work on Hockey Alberta's end uh, to really define those guidelines and restrictions that came down from the government, which is now outlined all on that FAQ document on our website on the Return to Hockey page. So it's all there for people who uh, maybe don't have that full clarification, might have some questions that aren't quite sure. So that's all there for everyone to utilize. But can you maybe hit on just a Cole's notes of maybe not all the guidelines, but maybe the, the most important ones where people maybe think it might be open to interpretation or aren't quite sure if it includes them or not. Well, I think the backing up to the to the process and why we've done it, we we take a lot of pride in interpreting what we get from AHS and from our our SPAR counterparts, and I think that's something that that we put a lot of work into. So I think you pointing that out to to anybody who's listening, uh, I think is a worthwhile read. It can be, I guess, uh, a moving target at times for us as well. And I think those are some things that we thought were really really important. I mean, when you cut to really what this means for us, this pause is it is a it is a health order. That health order is also available to the public, which actually 
actually when that came out on uh, as obviously it was announced early in the week in uh, last week but it was it came out as a formal order on on the Friday some people like to read through that to see exactly what it says and, and I know some of us do that but I think that being available publicly as well can help people in terms of trying to find the guidance on on that really what it means for us is the majority of our province at this point is in it hits that pause majority of our hockey playing province um, I think we've estimated right now that probably about 90% of our participants would would be affected by that order probably about 75% of our of our member minor hockey associations obviously the disparity in that would be to do with the fact that you know the order does cover more of our you know higher population cities and whatnot so there are still there's still the opportunity to to participate in hockey in the what we're now referring to as the I think they're the non-purple areas so that is taking place so that was an important clarification which even as recently as this weekend we've still been working on one other thing and I know I'm, I'm going quite long here but one other key piece that came out very early from Jason Kenney's words right to the point of our FAQs was really what exemptions meant or didn't mean um, and I think it was it was launched as a as a very generic statement and and I know that we received um, phone calls emails texts um, things on social media uh, with respect to who applies for an exemption right from an individual parent uh, feeling that they wanted to apply for an exemption for their particular player uh, or teams or associations and really what we received clarity on is is that really it's it's intended and always was intended to be a very exclusive exemption list uh, and really without uh, without reading the FAQ for you and without having it right in front of me really what it means is it's really intended for some of the the sports that are really acting whether it be professional sports or sports such as the you know in in hockey's case looking at like the world juniors are planned and whatnot so and that leads to things like added testing um, and, and many things like that so I, I think that clarity was important but it was a it was an interesting period of time for us uh, middle middle of last week trying to explain that and not really a, a, a popular uh, decision that was handed down by the government. Of course, we hear the feedback and how could it be a popular decision, right? You know, hockey is something or sports in general are keeping a lot of people going through the tough time. And I know at Hockey Alberta, we hear that. At the same time, though, we're working to make sure that, as you said, everyone understands these guidelines and follows them because uh, at the end of the day, safety is, is number one. Absolutely. We've kind of got experience in this now, which which I guess none of us really asked for, but we we've received and and I think that's been important. I, you know, I, I don't ever intend to make light of the situation we're in uh, and certainly uh, you know Ted our, our, we treat this uh, this is this is our reason for existence and what we're trying to do and making sure our sport is here and here safely however I think we're getting used to working with chaos and and that's what part of this is um, and that's not to really to disparage any uh, what's happening with the policies that are being created these are things that are happening in our society for the first time ever and and I think what we continue to do is do our best to make sure people know that uh, as we said in in our last podcast and we continue to say we are taking the guidelines and we are interpreting them as best we can to keep our sport going and keeping it on the ice. And I, and I think at times we get reminded of people see what they would consider to be an inconsistency in, in their town or in a region. And, and sometimes there's a, a bit of an instant reaction to say, how come Hockey Alberta is not letting us do this? This this is something I just saw with my own eyes and or whatnot. And I think in our case, we're trying to do the best to make sure people know that we are dealing with what's being dealt to us. We believe that we have a responsibility with this massive membership to try and educate. That's why our FAQs are, are 
posted, they're written. I don't think we're trying to make it a habit of, of Ted Abbott reciting one and then Rob Latwinski reciting and missing, maybe we miss a couple words. We think the written version is very important. Sometimes our FAQs come out a little later than we'd like on a given day because we're actually asking the same thing of our AHS and our and our SPAR counterparts, that, that when we have it in writing, we know things change quickly. We release it and people know that at that point they can follow that and um, move from there. So uh, once again, I know I, I kind of went over the place there, but uh, hopefully that helps out a little bit. Yeah, and now we're in the middle of this pause and of course very optimistic as always that at the end of this three weeks a hockey will come back and it's what we're prepared for. But really it's reality and I think important for everyone to remember to do what they can to stay engaged. You know, there's still a lot that teams can do virtually and, and safely while adhering to those guidelines. And I know we're we're gonna talk to Barry Midori about that a, a little later, ways to stay engaged. On Hockey Alberta's side though, you know, as we get prepared for that pause to end in three weeks, what do the next couple of weeks look like in moving forward because obviously everything's a, a moving target and really hard to plan for one thing specifically. Well, what we want our focus to be and, and we're, we're, we're going to be working really hard with government representatives to uh, hopefully HS representatives is we believe there's a period of time here where we can look at how to have a restart or, or what happens and, and that could be that could be a number of things so you know kind of two two different uh, pieces of information that one is what what could dates be what could dates look like we certainly understand and appreciate and I think we're sensitive to the fact that we are in a state of emergency right now so that's where we're at right now and and the you know the three weeks has been something that's been stated, but we recognize that there's factors that are far outside of sport that are going to determine when that state of emergency ends. But in saying that, we think as a sport, uh, as we've done from day one, we really want to try and work with with our government representatives, as I said, to try and build build a plan for the future, um, whether that is what hockey could or what all sport could look like in mid-December, whether that's December 18th or, or not, what our sport could look like at the start of 2021, whether that be, you know, dates that maybe mirror what some of the school dates we've seen are, or whether that is a date that's actually right after the Christmas holidays, for example. Uh, so those are the kind of things we want to start talking about and working at. And then secondly, we want to be open with kind of three areas that this can go for us. One is uh, the opportunity, uh, it Not it, one, one uh, example is not not coming back. So we're, we're being optimistic in terms of we are going to come back, um, but really three options of that. And, and one is returning in the form that we kind of left, which is, you know, really, uh, you know, that, that 50 person cohorts, uh, 14 days in between kind of relaunch. Uh, you know, we know that our teams were primarily picked and our leagues were kind of ready to go. So that would be one option. Um, we know that a second option might be that, you know, perhaps we can we can look at ways of coming back with with a bit more, maybe there has to be more restrictions. And if it comes down to the opportunity to play versus the opportunity not to play, we want to make sure we have the flexibility to say, if we were to move our plan back to, let's say, the development season, uh, which includes perhaps some physically distanced skates or whatnot, I, I believe that, you know, I, we believe our hockey public would, would want that. Uh, we want to manage that, of course. Uh, we want as much hockey back as we can, but we, we're open to what those options may look like, even within the cohorting structure, whether whether additional masking, uh, people may hate to see this, but if it means our game coming back, whether the, the addition of uh, spectators and things like that, but we want to have that dialogue because it's I'm not sure we want to go and throw, you know, options one to 18 uh, on the table. It's it's which ones of those are most important in moving ahead. Um, but I think that's an important piece that we have to all consider. We've seen that, you know, different provinces are doing different things as well. Um, so I think there's some examples of things we might go look at there. And the third one, which is probably the the most optimistic of them all, and, and certainly I would not, I'm not a betting man, but I wouldn't bet this is something that hits in 2020. But as an optimist, I'd say that perhaps we're talking about this in, in 2021 
done as early as possible, which is the the ability to really come back and have have less restrictions. Meaning, perhaps uh, you know, as an example, we move from what we're at right now to uh, to some of the guidelines that were you know created for for junior and university hockey, where timing could be a little bit shorter from 14 days to seven, or perhaps our cohorts get a little bit bigger. So th- those are kind of what we're looking at. Uh, we want to continue to work with other sport. We want to work with um, with our government representatives and and uh, and on behalf of our members to see what can what can happen. And nearly impossible to predict the future right now. We have no idea even what next week will look like, let alone 2021. Uh, but from Hockey Alberta's standpoint, what kind of things are being looked at when it comes to the 2021 season and how that might play out? I'd uh, describe probably our, our immediate future. And, and we know that, uh, you know, the discussions are starting around, again, putting your optimistic hat on that we will be playing uh, in January of 2021 in one way, shape or form and continuing to play. We know that the discussions have started on things like, like whether, you know, should the season be a little bit longer? What can we do to make sure we maximize uh, the opportunity for people to participate? And I think those are things that we know that are, are you know, we've already started to work on uh, behind the scenes and we'll continue to work with our members on as well in terms of what that really means. We've all learned a, a great deal in the last, uh, I guess, what it is, nine or 10 months that you really don't know what's around. It used to be so, uh, it almost used to be habit in terms of knowing exactly what what would be next. Uh, many team schedules look the same as they did a year before. So in this case, we're all adjusting to the fact that, you know, we have a whole a new group of uh, variables that we have to deal with. And we want to make sure we work our best to, to work with not just hockey, but with other sports on, you know, what's the right solution to some of those things. So we'll let you go here, Rob. You know, you have a lot on your plate, but we do appreciate you taking the time again to join us and share that information. I think it's, it's really important and we definitely appreciate it. No, uh, again, it's, uh, I, I enjoyed our first experience, Ted, and, and uh, we have to stop meeting like this, I guess. But um, certainly the, the work that's been done since that first guest has been terrific. Uh, not that you did great work, Ted, but uh, just making light of myself on there. But uh, yeah, if this is another great avenue for us to speak frankly about where we're at, sometimes this type of approach maybe doesn't come across in, in written communication to our members or whatnot. But you know, we, we've taken this very seriously right from day one. Um, we are learning on the fly as we as we can and we're doing everything we can to try and do safely to bring the game back and uh, I think that that's uh, that's what's ahead of us now and we know what the goal is and and we'll continue to work towards that well we're always happy to have you and and do appreciate the the candid approach hopefully uh, it it does clarify a a lot of things and as you mentioned uh, hopefully we can do this again on some different terms yeah exactly and you can just uh, if we keep doing this we can just watch the the hair getting grayer each time too so thanks A big thank you again to Rob for taking the time to join us and give us a bit more insight into the state of hockey in Alberta. And as previously mentioned, all that information is there for you on the Return to Hockey page at HockeyAlberta.ca. Before we chat with Barry, we're going to take a quick pause and have a look at what else is happening in hockey around Alberta. So here's what you need to know. Hockey Alberta's annual general meeting took place on November 21st, with Alamin, Vera and Franz Zinger elected to Hockey Alberta's board of directors. This is Vera's first time on the board, while it'll mark the 15th year for Zinger, as she's served in various capacities since 2006, including vice chair. The AGM also saw Hockey Alberta induct two new life members, Bob Bartlett of Lethbridge and Anne Hayden of Vauxhall. Bob Bartlett, Lethbridge. Bob Bartlett of Lethbridge has had a remarkable impact on the Alberta hockey community, serving in various roles at all levels of the game for more than five decades. Bob was a coach mentor, instructor, and evaluator for Hockey Alberta for more than 30 years. 
He coached minor hockey in Lethbridge in the 1970s and 80s and served as a board member with Lethbridge Minor Hockey. At the junior level, Bob has been a key figure for more than 40 years in the Western Hockey League. His roles included scout, general manager, and director of player development with the Lethbridge Broncos and Hurricanes. He received the WHL's Distinguished Service Award in 2018. Bob has been recognized for his work with induction into three Halls of Fame. The Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame in 2010 as a builder, the Lethbridge Sports Hall of Fame in 1998, and the University of North Dakota Sports Hall of Fame for his collegiate playing achievements. He received a Hockey Alberta Centennial Award in 2007 and the Hockey Alberta Hockey Development Award in 2009. Bob is currently a member of the Hockey Alberta Foundation Board of Directors, a position he has held since 2004. Anne Hayden, Vauxhall. Anne Hayden of Vauxhall dedicated countless hours to the game of hockey and to Hockey Alberta as an active volunteer in the Alberta hockey community for over 40 years. Starting with her local minor hockey association in Vauxhall, Anne served as secretary and treasurer before becoming the Zone 5 chair, a position she held for five years. In 1985, Anne took on the role of self-director of female hockey for Hockey Alberta and was instrumental in helping to grow the female game. Anne eventually became the female hockey chair for Hockey Alberta in 1988. In 1992, she played a large part in organizing the South Central AA League in Brooks. She also served as the league secretary, treasurer, and statistician for three years. Anne was recognized for her hard work and dedication to the sport, locally and provincially, as a member of the 2010 induction class to the Hockey Alberta Hall of Fame. Anne passed away in 2016 at the age of 81. A big congratulations to both life members, a very deserving honours for two people who have given so much to the game in our province. And more congratulations are in order as past chair of Hockey Alberta's Board of Directors, Terry Engen was elected to Hockey Canada's Board of Directors. Very exciting news for Hockey Alberta as Terry's extremely dedicated to hockey. He's done incredible things for the game in our province and I think he can do the same for the game on a national level and I think he really has a lot to bring to the table. So again, congratulations Terry and good luck. And we'll keep the good news going as the Hockey Alberta Foundation recently announced its Every Kid Every Community grant recipients for this quarter with over $34,000 going out to help more than 400 kids access the game across the province. You can help get even more kids in the game too and get some Christmas shopping done at the same time as the Hockey Alberta Foundation's teamed up with Major League Socks all in support of the Every Kid Every Community program. For every pair of socks you buy online uh, from Major League Socks using the code HockeyAlberta at checkout, $6 goes back to the foundation. If you haven't heard of Major League Socks before or seen their stuff, uh, it's pretty cool. They have a huge selection of, you guessed it, socks with the faces of your favorite NHL players on them past and present. So make sure you head to their website, check it out, and again, use HockeyAlberta, one word, when you check out and help support a great cause. And you can take it a step further and get your team involved as well as the foundation has launched the perfect pairing contest where teams will have a chance to win a Zoom call with either a Calgary Flames player or an Edmonton Oilers player. It's the, the team's choice and it's pretty straightforward. Sign your team up. Whichever team purchases the most socks using that code wins. All the details are up on HockeyAlberta.ca. Contest closes December 31st. 
And even more congratulations are in order as Sherwood Park's Randy Rosen was named Hockey Alberta's Coach of the Month. It's a, a very inspiring story with Randy. He's the head coach of the Sherwood Park U16 AAA Squires of the Alberta Elite Hockey League. He was diagnosed with cancer back in August. Despite his prognosis, he decided he still had a lot to give back to his community and the game, so he continues to coach. A really amazing story there. Congratulations, Randy. Uh, make sure you head to hockeyalberta.ca to read more on him. And one last round of congratulations as Alberta officials Kyle Kowalski, Fraser Lawrence, and Dion Foster were all selected to join a team of 26 Canadian officials who will work the 2021 World Junior Championship in Edmonton. Always a proud moment when we see those Alberta officials get the call to national events and a really special experience actually for Kyle Kowalski specifically. His father Kevin officiated an exhibition game in Grand Prairie way back in 1995 when Red Deer hosted the World Junior so it's a pretty cool family tie-in there for him. And Kyle's actually the very first subject of Hockey Alberta's new Hockey for Life campaign, which really just aims at sharing all the amazing stories from the incredible people across the province who make up our game. But one of my fondest memories is still just walking behind my dad into the rink at like Aikensdale Arena and, and then him seeing him on the ice and as honestly as your hero. Um, and then now I have the ability to do that. And another really cool thing is my dad was involved in the 1995 World Juniors when they were in Red Deer. He did the exhibition game up in Grand Prairie. Um, and he did the first game in that Grand Prairie rink before they opened it for the Canada Winter Games. And so, what is that, 25 years now, 25 years later, I get to be involved in the World Juniors. That's, to me, that's pretty cool. And this is a memory I'm probably never, ever going to forget. So. Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. A huge thank you to Kyle for sharing his story with us and congratulations again to him, Fraser Lawrence and Dion Foster for their selection to the World Junior Championship. If you know anyone who really embodies that hockey for life motto and what it means and you want to share their story, head to our website to find out how. That's what you need to know. As always, head to hockeyalberta.ca for more information. That brings us now to a new feature for the Center Ice podcast, the MHA Spotlight. Producer Steve worked pretty hard on this one and will shine a light on a different minor hockey association each month. First up is the Grimshaw Minor Hockey Association. My name is Steve Hennings. I'm the president of the Grimshaw Minor Hockey Association in Grimshaw, Alberta. We're five hours uh, north of Edmonton, a small community, 2,700. The Minor Hockey Association, it, it got a rich history in Grimshaw and it dates back several decades. The association had suffered tragic loss in 2008 when a fire took the arena and they were without a home. The town did rebuild and currently they are now playing in a state-of-the-art facility, the Mile Zero Regional Multiplex. It's nice too when we can see some of our players move on to uh, bigger and better teams as far as the junior levels and stuff. I think the, the organization has definitely left their mark as they've made some very competitive teams over the years. I feel I'm helping the organization and I can't take all the credit because the organization does have a great volunteer board. The question that everyone has is uh, why not to charge player fees? And it originally started pre-COVID and into the beginning of COVID. Last year, our U7 numbers were way down. It was being tossed around. Well, why don't we waive the fees at those levels to try and bring the numbers up? And then the COVID hit. The region was hurting. Families are hurting. People are out of work. And we obviously didn't know what kind of season we 
have either. It was a board decision to waive fees uh, at all levels. We still request players to fundraising, but um, the actual uh, initiation fees have been waived. I've had a lot of questions from members of other organizations. Well, how can your board afford to um, do that? So we have a board that's been very fiscally responsible over the years, and we do have money to cover this situation. For this year anyway, we're, we're happy to do it. Yeah, just to try and grow the organization, make it better is the most positive thing I feel I grow as president. Thank you again to producer Steve and Grimshaw Minor Hockey President Steve Hennings for putting that together. Now we're going to head up Highway 2 to Spruce Grove into the home of Hockey Alberta's high-performance coach mentor and 2020 recipient of Hockey Canada's Gordon Jukes Award, Barry Midori. Barry, always good to chat with you. Thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Uh, good morning to you, Ted. And before we get going, Barry, can you just give us a bit of a, a background on your role as a as a coach mentor? We have two of them, yourself and Fran Gao. Just uh, basically what a, what a coach mentor does for Hockey Alberta. The term mentor is uh, actually one that uh, you could almost change. It's like being a teacher. My, my role is working with the Team Alberta side in the mentorship department. So I work with both uh, our male and female provincial teams. Uh, with them, uh, everything from A to Z and getting them prepared for the different camps, the selection camps that we run, uh, obviously getting prepared for the event and then being at the event. Also with them, I do the mental performance piece, which is something that uh, has become a real passion for me. It's a little bit outside the mentorship role, uh, but I've gotten an opportunity now to get to know the kids a lot better, whereas before it was more just working with the staff. With our uh, grassroots programs, whether it's the winter games, uh, male and female, whether it's peewee prospects, the uh, the girls challenge, uh, or the Alberta Cup for the guys, uh, responsibility there is to help to recruit coaches for each one of the events, find mentors for every team. We are the only branch in Canada that operates uh, with a mentorship program for our grassroots programs. Uh, really proud of that because the whole philosophy behind it when I was hired years ago was one of trying to get coaches to end up understanding short-term competition and how to plan and prepare for it. And so the, the mentors that, that I end up recruiting are people who have been through the process, understand what it takes uh, to plan, organize, prepare, and coach in a short-term event. Uh, we found in the last number of years, our kids that are going up into the Hockey Canada under 17, under 18, and World Junior, our players from Alberta are very well prepared. They know what it takes to end up getting there. They know how to come together as a team. If you take a look at the number of them that have worn letters on their jerseys and being leaders on the teams, I think it speaks well to what Hockey Alberta's done to help them to get there. As well, uh, from a coaching side, we've had many of our coaches be successful down the road as well within Hockey Canada as well as within their, their professional or their volunteer roles uh, within society in Alberta. So I guess in a nutshell, that's what it's all about. Hockey Alberta, the only branch who has coach mentors on staff full time. And, and I think it's, uh, you know, in my five years here, I've seen uh, pretty cool things, something uh, people may not know uh, still exists. I know I didn't before I started here. And, and again, the work you guys do, uh, not only, as you mentioned, to develop coaches, but the effect it has on the, the players is is pretty amazing. And lately, uh, you, you've been focusing on uh, helping coaches, helping teams stay engaged because you know 2020 has been a challenging year and, and to close off is, is thrown some more challenges at us with a pause going on. Uh, not everywhere either. It's some places are paused, uh, some aren't for hockey. And while we want to be optimistic, we, we really don't know what the coming 
coming weeks and months look like? So really, uh, what are the challenges that teams are, are facing right now with this pause? Well, there's a lot. And again, it depends. Some teams are still allowed to play in practice and others aren't. So I think we can get into that later. But honestly, I think, Ted, the biggest thing that we can help them focus on is that we want them to be people that can change. We don't want them to be victims of change. And I think that's a really critical element to to look at uh, if you are a coach right now out there and wondering what to do and where to go. Within the environment, we can help to create it, or we can end up being something that the environment creates us and uh, causes a lot of problems for us. I just finished reading a book and and a quick analogy of it. Uh, It's called The Coffee Bean. And if you put a carrot into a boiling pot of hot water, which right now COVID would be the boiling pot of hot water, the carrot turns soft, it changes its texture, it changes the way that it thinks. Uh, probably would end up if it was a person, um, make excuses, find reasons, back out of things. Uh, If you put an egg into that boiling pot of hot water, it turns hard, it becomes negative, it becomes critical of everything. If you put a coffee bean in that water, it changes the environment. The coffee bean becomes the environment. So what I've been trying to tell coaches and, and players that I've been doing Zoom conferences with lately is you need to be the coffee bean, you need to be the person that is willing to change, sees it coming, uh, and doesn't let the environment affect us. Uh, rather, we affect the environment that we're in. We have the control to do that. Wow. Well, as a side note, after this, you and I might talk about you becoming my life coach, because <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty profound. I, I like that a lot. So now, when we're looking at teams who are affected by the pause, uh, they can't get together as a team, they, they can't play, they're in those uh, enhanced measure zones. What can coaches do and teams as a whole to stay engaged and, and make sure that they're still keeping that team bond and doing what they can during this pause? Well, uh, quite a few things, actually. I think to start with is that coaches need to stay positive. Again, go back to what I just explained with a coffee bean. We can control our environment. Feed the good wolf. Make sure that we, ha- we always have positive things to say and think of with our players Uh, It should not be doom and gloom whatsoever. It it is what it is. We can't change what's going on other than we can do our part, what we're asked to do to try and make that change. I think as coaches, you need to show that you care. I think that's the biggest thing that I've gotten out of listening to everything the last five or six months and the reading and that that I've done is you got to communicate with your players. You need to support them. And especially right now, the ones that aren't allowed to play, they're going to need it more than anything. I think we need to find ourselves to become very creative in what we're doing, which means you can't just sit there and try and come up with ideas. I think there's a bunch of research that needs to be done. Uh, You need to educate yourself more as a coach to find out what's out there. And I think the biggest one is to provide opportunities, maximize individual development. I think right now, let's be excited about it. Like here's an opportunity that we have. We could almost turn ourselves into a European country where they practice four or five times to one game that they have. Well, that's our opportunity now. And when I talk about that, uh, at the end of the day, that they, they can do a whole bunch of different things that relate to that individual improvement. We, with Hockey Alberta, both the grassroots level, uh, the development side, as well as Team Alberta, always talk about we have four buckets to fill. We have a physical, we have a technical, we have a mental, and we have a life skills bucket. And I think now let's be excited about the fact that we can fill each one of them. Uh, The one typically that coaches 
don't do a lot of. And I, the presentations I've done the last two or three weeks with different groups, when I get into the mental performance side of it, a lot of them are just amazed at what's out there because they spend most of their time on the technical, which is teaching skills, and the tactical, which is teaching them how to play, how to put those skills into use, linking it to a game. And they spend very little time on the life skills and on the mental side of it. And I think now that's the important part that we need to really work with coaches on so that they can work with their players on how do they become better? How do they stay positive through uh, this whole process, except that the change is there and how are they going to adapt and adjust to it? Well, I think we saw, you know, in the spring when everyone was at home again across the province and really pretty much across the country, we saw the hockey from home thing come up. Players were, were doing a lot of, of different types of stuff like that and really creative. I know even right now I saw, I think it was uh, on, on social media, I think it was an Airdrie minor hockey coach doing online cooking classes with his team. So as you mentioned, it, it doesn't all have to be necessarily hockey skill related, but just keep your team in, engaged and, and find different ways to do that. So I think uh, lots of creativity, I think already has been shown and, and lots of opportunity to do that. Uh, what about though, there are teams who maybe can play, uh, their schedules may be changed from this pause, different set of challenges, but but maybe still face some challenges nonetheless. What can you say to those coaches, those teams, maybe again, they've got a bit of opportunity now to practice more instead of play. Uh, what kind of opportunities come from that? Well, and again, if if you take a look at it, just from the peer coaching side, how much you can learn and gain from having to change your way of doing things. Like you're so used to practicing two nights a week, having an off ice session and then playing on the weekends to now where it's every second weekend you're playing. Maybe your practice times are really wonky just because the arena is only open at certain times. You can only get the ice. So how can you end up building a program for your players that's going to end up suiting their needs through the course of the year? Well, one of the things that I've heard a lot lately is it's it's going to end up being a lost year. And I really, really hope that when they write about history of hockey in our sport, that 2020 isn't a wasted year. In fact, it goes the other way. So like you say, being creative, even on the ice. And, you know, I, I had a few ideas for people who aren't, aren't even allowed to be playing right now. And you use the word creative. I think that's critical with it. But how can you make your practices or whatever more competitive? How can you make them more interactive for your players? How, how can you hold them accountable for those things? Whether you're playing now or whether you're not, I think you just need to change the context of that environment based on where you're at and trying to figure ways out to help them. One of the big ones that I think we have time this year to do, no matter which side of the fence you're on, is to help players create an individual performance plan for themselves. Again, using those four buckets, but probably the tactical one, unless you're playing games and even there because they're so sporadic, I think the focus should more be on the technical side, just skill development and the mental performance piece. But how can you help the players do that? Designing a set of goals for them that are in those buckets and then trying to help them reach it, whether it's in practices or whether if you're not allowed to practice right now and play, how can you give them opportunities even outside of that? Playing street hockey out in the street, they could work on stick handling and shooting and passing things without even having to be at a rink doing it themselves. But just finding a way to help them to plan and organize something because that's what the players are looking for. They want guidance 
and they want some support. They want to know that you care about them and that you're thinking. And probably, again, if you're playing, could be a little bit more of a team structure when you're planning that. But certainly for the other side of it, it's going to be how can I help each one of the players? And you kind of answered my my last question as well with, you know, for players who are on pause and, and teams on pause, what they can do to, to stay in shape at home, keep their skills sharp. Obviously, you know, going to an outdoor rink with less than 10 people there, going out on the driveway, working out at home in their basement, in their garage, anything like that. Um, and you mentioned again, right, this is really, I think, the best way to look at this from a player standpoint is this is really an opportunity. Don't want to use that word too much when we're talking about COVID, but this whole adversity is an opportunity for players to to really grow off the ice, right? I have the honor and uh, and that of working with high performance teams. So the best players in Alberta and working with Hockey Canada, the best in Canada. And one of the things that I, I've found in the last number of years is that we are not resilient like we used to be. Resilient meaning you take a beach ball, it's full and bounce it, it'll come right back to you. If you take a beach ball, it's half full, it'll come halfway back, you have to bend over to get it. If you take all the air out of it, it doesn't bounce at all. And I think we're in that category now where that beach ball of ours is half full and it can't decide whether it's going to come all the way back or it's going to deflate and not jump at all. So I think from that perspective, it's really important that we try to hone in on how do we end up making sure that that beach ball is going to be full for the players uh, the whole way through this. And you're right, Ted, it is adversity, but it's something, again, I go back to the coffee bean, are we going to let the environment affect us or can we control our environment and make the best of it? And I'll put a plug in here, doing the the work with Hockey Canada, we put together what's called the under 16 portal and any coach in Alberta basically can get on it by applying to Hockey Canada for it. It's the four pillars that I spoke of with Hockey Alberta. One of the pillars is the physical one, and we had exercise physiologists put all of that information together. This is a perfect time to get on that and take a look at what they offered, because one of the the pieces of advice we gave them uh, when they were doing this is we wanted it to be an at-home program with players that didn't have a gym to go to. So everything that they did and showed the players how how to train in that away from the rink is stuff that you don't need weights and bikes and all the fancy equipment for it. So again, the resources are out there. It's a matter of taking a look for it. Books have it, like you said, online, seeing a coach doing a cooking class, like all of those things are about being creative and and helping the players. But that under 16 portal from Hockey Canada is priceless. And that's something we'll uh, put a link on the website as well so you can go and, and find that portal. Barry, again, thank you so much for, for joining us here. And oh, like I said, as soon as you decide to be a life coach as well, uh, sign me up. I think it's great stuff. Just a little a small glimpse inside the mind of Barry Midoria, a great hockey mind and a, an excellent resource for coaches across Alberta. So again, thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon and stay safe. Thanks for asking, Ted. Have a great day. Stay safe. So right off the hop, I will say I'm going to pat myself on the back because this might be the first time anyone here at Hockey Alberta has kept Barry to less than 15 minutes for a presentation, interview, anything like that. It might never happen again. So I'm going to, that's a feather I'm going to wear in my hat for a long time. But in all seriousness, thank you again to Barry for joining us. It's just a, a really quick glimpse of what an amazing resource Hockey Alberta has in its two coach mentors in Barry and Fran Gao as well. And really great stuff there from Barry. If you want to hear more, there's a full one 
hour presentation that Barry recently did on keeping your team engaged. It's up on Hockey Alberta's YouTube page if you want to check it out. And I highly suggest you do. Lots of great information in there as well. Just like that, episode four of the Center Ice podcast comes to a close. One last thank you to Rob Litwinski, Barry Midori, and as always, producer Steve. I'm Ted Emmett. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll see you next time. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to the Center Ice podcast. For this episode and more, head to hockeyalberta.ca. If there's a topic you'd like covered on an upcoming episode, email info at hockeyalberta.ca.